everybody. Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super excited for this week's show because I'm joined by a New Jack guest to talk New Jack City. Please welcome back to the show, Adam Risky. Hey, Adam. Hey. Do you think that... Um Anybody in the early 90s at that company were ever like, are you my Trapper's Keeper? Yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Did if you, I worked at Trapper Keeper, that's all I would say. Did you have a Trapper Keeper? Uh, I think I got like a hand-me-down one from my brother, but yeah. he was really the Trapper Keeper guy. Yeah. Trapper he was the keeper were, of the Trapper Keeper. Trapper Keepers were cool. I remember I had one that had like an American Eagle like trying to snatch a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles love baseball. Which I'm sure I'm hallucinating like or conflating. Bartman. Yeah, but um, there's nothing that screams Trapper Keeper where they're just like, <laughs> how do we make this a little bit more Americana, a little bit more extreme? Why did those become like a symbol of dorkiness? Were they symbols of dorkiness? At, at a certain point, it was like you were not cool if you had a Trapper Keeper, but they just seemed so functional. I thought it was just at a certain age you weren't supposed to have Trapper Keepers. Oh, like well into my 30s is what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Okay, Because yeah. during my Trapper Keeper heyday, it was in junior high, and okay. like everybody had a Trapper Keeper. But I think like the move, especially maybe in high school, definitely in college was you just had like a note like a skinny notebook right and a folder maybe right. to put some papers in but like you're not gonna have a binder <laughs> uh we are gonna be talking about new jack city in a little bit but first adam have you seen anything good lately uh yeah i saw some stuff um but first i have a movie news question for you i love movie news you're you're the this show's menunos <laughs> yeah well i wish um <laughs> Career longevity, baby. Um, the uh, news broke that Brie Larson has been added to the cast of Fast and Furious 10. Oh, really? And I have two questions for you. All right. One is, who is she? who do you think, if you had to guess, mm. she would play? Mm. And the second question is, is this some kind of like cross promotion with Nissan because she's kind of like a spokesperson oh. for them? And is she only going to be driving Nissans? So, no. Okay. <laughs> I don't think. In my my gut reaction is like, oh, she's going to be Charlize's sister. Okay. But she'll probably be like a love interest for Vin. No, she can't be. He's got Letty. Yeah, he's got Letty. I think it's going to be... All right. I got a doomsday prediction, and I got like an... I think this is what it's going to be, and I hope this is what it's going to be. Okay. I hope that it's going to be because it's maybe the less stupid option is that she's just like a missing O'Connor. Okay. But I think that maybe this is just so it's like the American reunion thing where everybody's got a girlfriend right, thing. Right. Where it's like now we can finally settle the love triangle of um Ramsey, Roman, and Tej. Oh, and no. Brie Larson will end up with somebody. No, that's terrible. Yeah. I hope they don't do that. Why do they just keep adding stars to these movies? Because they're out of ideas. And they, they don't, don't need to keep doing. getting bigger. Do, I, I think they do. <laughs> I think they do a little bit. You know, we joked for a long time, they have to go to space. And then they went to space and it was the worst thing in a movie. What if she's just playing Captain Marvel and they go back to space? That would be all right. Oh my God. I'd be down with that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I already regret with this detour. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so what have I seen? So yeah. I, I uh, went out of town and I got to go to the New Beverly a bunch of times. Yes. 
and um, I saw a lot of good movies there, and it made me sad that there's no New Beverly that we can open up in Chicago. Nope. Even if it wasn't Tarantino running it, even if it was like, um, I don't know, who else? Like Robert Rodriguez had one. Sure. <laughs> The El Rey Theater. The El Rey. I was trying to think of somebody who is like an even more like in the same an Eli Roth theater. <laughs> like if there is an Eli Roth theater, maybe. Yeah. Um. So Eddie I, Burns Theater. Uh, well, that would just be like that would definitely be in Chicago, and yeah. that would definitely be like you know just you, showing all low budge. You'd have art art house corn. Yeah. 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 Like Britt Marling would show up and be like <laughs> AMA, and it's just like, where is everyone? Um, <laughs> no offense, Britt Marling, um, but no, kind of it. a little bit. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, I saw the Sting, yeah, and the first time, so I have a giant Robert Redford allergy, right. and I just lucked out that my first night in California was um, on Robert Redford double feature night. <laughs> so it was the Sting and the Great Waldo Pepper. And I did not stay for the Great Waldo Pepper, um, but um, mainly just because I was tired. But yeah. um, I saw The Sting like 15 years ago, and I saw it right after I watched Butch, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid for the first time. And I was like over the moon about that movie, mm-hmm. and I still am. And I was thinking like, well, The Sting won Best Picture, and it's the same guys, and like I, I'm gonna love this. And then for some reason, I just it just didn't work for me, yeah. which is nuts because when I rewatched The Sting, The Sting is amazing. Yeah, it's super good. Yeah, it's super super good, and it's got like every person ever in it, and um, even it's like Re- the OG Digstown. I like it more than Digstown. Oh, I know. I'm joking. Of course oh, okay. it's better than yeah. Digstown. I <laughs> yeah. was just trying to come up with some weird movie to compare it to. Yeah. Um, but um, I need to – this is the the big takeaway for me from it is, like, I might be softening my stance on Redford. Interesting. And I kind of want to keep going. But I, I want like to watch more of his best stuff because yeah. I think the problem with me with Redford is I caught up with him – at his most smarmy, like self-important time period, which is like early '90s onward, yeah. Where I think like the thing that made Redford Redford obviously was like pre sneakers and right. things like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, you gotta stick to '70s Redford. Yeah, I mean, like when your first gasp of Redford is like, "Ooh, the poster for Havana." It's not really gonna do anything for you. <laughs> So, I never saw Havana. I never saw it either, but I remember the poster. Sure. Yeah. We I, all do. Yeah. I remember like- If you yeah. don't, you can go upstairs. It's hanging. <laughs> okay. It's above your bed. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> On the ceiling. <laughs> it's like, RR, help me go to sleep. <laughs> I count my red first. Take me to Havana. <laughs> Take me to Havana. Robbie R. Um, yeah. No. And then the, the coolest thing was, this was probably like my, I don't know, like fifth or sixth time at the New Beverly- and I've seen a couple of celebrities there when I was in the audience. I saw Gerard Carmichael at Kill Bill Volume 1. Mm-hmm. I saw Bobcat Goldthwait at the Tim Burton double feature of nice. Pee Wee and uh, Ed Wood. Nice. And then after The Sting ends, I love the pre-shows that they do for the new Beverly movies. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stick around for the trailers for Great Waldo Pepper. And then I'm going to leave. And I heard this guy loudly, like, talking about Robert Redford, like telling a story. And I was just like, oh, this guy really is impressed with himself. And then <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, this guy sounds like Quentin Tarantino. And then I turned around and like 10 rows away from me was Quentin Tarantino. So the thing about Robert Redford is 
Yeah. And you know. he's just like, Redford stuff, you see. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> um, so I was like so starstruck that it, like I still don't believe it happened. It's pretty cool. It's really just crazy. And um, he does own the theater, so it's almost like running into him at his own house. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I just never thought that this would ever happen sure. um, because I remember hearing stories that there was like years ago an Al Pacino double feature. It was like Panic of Needle Park and Scarecrow. And that night, Tarantino, Al Pacino, and Leonardo DiCaprio were in the theater seeing the movie. Good lord! And if if that happens, you should just stop going to the movies yeah. because oh, it's never sure. going to like right. And by the way, did you hear about um, uh, Al Pacino's iPhone case? Uh, no. So there was a picture of Al Pacino at dinner with people, and he had like his iPhone out, and he had the back of the iPhone case was showing, and people were like, "Wait a minute." Is that a fucking Shrek iPhone case? <laughs> and Al Pacino has a Shrek iPhone case. <laughs> Which only makes me love him even more. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's like Shrek Coda, the death of, <laughs> the death of Donkey. I'm a believer. <laughs> and I saw her face. <laughs> and she had a great face. <laughs> what are you doing in my swamp? <laughs> Hey now, you're an ogre. <laughs> Pacino should have been donkey. That would have been great. <laughs> and I'm making waffles. <laughs> you're a donkey. <laughs> um, Come inside my gingerbread house. <laughs> so we're we're way tangent. <laughs> it's we're, all right. It's all right. Yeah. So um. I didn't go up to Quentin Tarantino because it seems like that's not the move at right. that theater. Yeah, so, sure. like, I did what any self-respecting movie fan would do. I walked up the aisle and hid behind a corner <laughs> and took a picture of him. <laughs> and then texted it to me. And then texted it to you and to <laughs> Rob and a couple other people. Uh, so, that, so my trip was starting out on a high note. Yeah. And then I went back the next day and I saw Casino Royale um, for okay. the first time in a theater since its release. Nice. And that's now my favorite Bond movie. Of all of them. Of all of them. Them. Wow. I think it's just perfect. Okay. Um, you yeah. and Mike. Yeah, I just adore that movie. And, like, it was such a great thing because, like, I got there a half hour early and it was just, like, 30 minutes of blank screen with Bond themes playing. Oh, that's and I'm cool. just like, this is the best. And then I hear your favorite. I, I heard all of them. I heard all my favorites. Oh, nice. Okay. I heard the Louis Armstrong one. I heard Sheryl Crow. I heard License to Kill. That's the one I was yeah. asking about. Yeah. Oh, my God. Such a good song. <laughs> I mean, if if you don't agree, like, you know, slip into a bubble bath and <laughs> get ready to hear Gladys Knight. Um, and then uh, I saw Point Break there. Yeah. And that was cool because it was like such a surfer crowd that okay. I saw it with. It was interesting because like usually there was this, still like the, you know, the group of movie buffs and everything that go to the theater. Right. But like this also felt like. You know, the people who don't always go to the movies who, like, drove in from Malibu, like, came to see it. So that was, I'm like, it smells like the ocean in here. So that kind of added to it. And the print of it was so, like, beat up. And, like, it was obviously from, like, 1991 yeah, right. and not, not remastered in any way. And it right. was just, it was great. So that theater spoiled me on going to the movies I'll for bet. a little while. Yeah. And then I saw 10 Things I Hate About You at the El Capitan seats a thousand there were 23 of us and i know that <laughs> and i know that because um the guy introducing the movie said 
thank you to all 23 of you that oh, are here. Wow. And I was just like, don't take it out on us. Yeah, right? Like, the we're hell? the ones who showed up. And was the guy I, introducing the movie Andrew Keegan? It was not. Yeah, it, was, it was a guy who also doubled as the security guard out front. So, Andrew Keegan? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, But I also told you yesterday that, like, this is where I discovered that Larry Miller is my Bill Murray. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Larry Miller, I don't think he said a line that's fallen flat for me (laughs) in his entire career. Have you seen Chairman of the Board? Because he's in that. I haven't. I've seen the poster. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I certainly don't lay the movie's failure at his feet. It's framed next to your Havana poster. Yeah, yeah. That was a present. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so you'll see it when you go back upstairs. Um and then I went to see Out of Sight. Uh yeah. which I hadn't seen in probably like fifteen years or so and it was playing at a theater near us. And um yeah, that movie also it like Steven Soderbergh just makes it look so easy when he's on and that was like his comeback movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um I wasn't really like aware of it i guess at the time because when i saw that movie i saw it opening night okay and it played really well and i thought it was going to be like a big hit because it should have been yeah it should have been um but uh i was more like a george clooney jennifer lopez fan like the soderbergh aspect of it it. didn't really do anything for me i think that was my first soderbergh movie ever okay um so it's I, i i don't know i mean like Elmore Leonard ad- uh, adaptations need there needs to be more of them. I don't know if they just ran out or, yeah. but uh, they're like between Get Shorty and Out of Sight and Jackie Brown. I mean, that's that was a good period there for a, a very while, good period. Yeah. Then there's like the big bounce, although that's not Elmore Leonard. That's was is it? it? Is that it Elmore Leonard? It might be. I'm blanking now. If that's Elmore Leonard or Carl Hyassen. Yeah. But you you guys brought up the lookout last week, and that yeah, was written yeah, yeah. by Scott Frank, and right. he wrote right. out of sight. And yeah, I mean, he's a hell of a screenwriter. And holy shit, Jennifer Lopez! It's like you take her for granted because she's in Marry Me and like all these movies. And then it is Elmore Leonard. Sorry, the big bounce is Elmore Leonard. Yeah, and then you remember how good she is in Out of Sight, and it's like she could. That's be... got to be best, Jennifer Lopez, right? I think so. I haven't seen Selena. I should probably go. I back never and have watch either. It. It's gonna. Oh, it just played the theater by us. It has it. Okay, I like, think it just played. I, I just always. Um, I know where it's going, so like I just don't think my heart can take exactly. it. Exactly. So that's why I never saw it. Yeah. But I heard she's you know terrific in that yeah. too. So, and um, yeah, no, I. So if you haven't seen that in a while, I, I it holds up. It really is good. Yeah, I really like that movie. Yeah, it's coming out on. 4k i know is it okay yeah cool um i'll always remember i i I don't think i could process it looking in 4k because i always just um associate it with uh when the first batch of universal dvds came out it was like george flicking the lighter lighter, and it was all like it looked like it was in buffering aol oh yeah (laughs) yeah um with by far the worst universal studios logo of all time of all of them it's the really worst. okay it looks like you're looking at like specimens under uh, like in a petri dish <laughs> under a in a microscope um and then i saw hard-boiled for the first time okay. ever i liked it a lot i think that i probably need to see it one more time before i love it yeah that makes sense um but uh i mean i get it like it, it's it's really really good and it's obviously like i didn't even know until right before i started to watch it that tony leung was in it i mm-hmm. thought it was just like i just knew chow yun fat was in it so that was like such a bonus sure um to to seeing it and i thought the like 
you know, there's so many exploding motorcycles, <laughs> such good stuff. I recently just was out of the hospital, so the hospital sequence was a little tough for me. Yeah, right. Um, because I mentioned to you the other day, it's like I'm, I don't know, I get a little queasy with like some of the collateral damage sure. stuff, but like the good definitely overrides the bad and yeah. everything like that. And then, like you saw today, I saw Ambulance yeah. yesterday, and I thought it was pretty good like okay to pretty good i'm not in love with it like action twitter no um i think there's a lot of cool stuff in it i like the aiza gonzalez character Mm -hmm. i like that whole arc i actually kind of welled up a little bit towards the end with her moment at the at the at the end i thought that was really nicely done i'm not convinced yet on yaya abdul mateen i think he's just kind of like I don't get what the X factor is yet. Um, sure. And Hall, I thought, was doing, like, Travolta and taking a Pelham 1-2-3 a little <laughs> bit. Um, and I thought there was just, like, too much. I I, I don't know. The, the problem for me w- with it was the stuff in the ambulance I just found claustrophobic and kind of oppressive. And I liked all the stuff with the robbery at the beginning yeah. and like when they were out of the ambulance sure. towards the end. Yeah. The stuff in the ambulance gets a little repetitive yeah. because it's everybody just shouting at each other for 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's lacking, I think in the, some of like the set pieces that really stand out in some Michael Bay movies, mm-hmm. whether it's bad boys two or the Island or whatever. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think it's the best thing Michael Bay has done in a long time. Yeah, I think it's my favorite since The Island. Uh, at least. Yeah. I'd have to rewatch The Island, which we talked about doing a show on. Mm-hmm. It, I might even like it better than The Island. And I was, trying to, I, was, I was really trying to figure out why. And it occurred to me about a third or a halfway through, I was like, oh, because he's not constantly trying to be funny in this one. Oh, really? I thought there he was. Oh, he definitely yeah. then starts to try to be funny yeah. <laughs> once I had that thought. Yeah. But the movie's pretty humorless for the first third. Mm. And I had this thought. I'm like, oh, he's not always trying to be funny, which is a lot of times where I start to really get frustrated with Michael Bay because, A, he thinks he's really funny and I don't think he is. And, B, so much of his humor is this sort of hateful punching down of – um minorities or people of color or gay people Mm -hmm. i mean it's just you know that kind of ruined something like pain and gain for me which is michael bay doing satire but i it just doesn't excuse all the racism and homophobia and you know all the fat jokes and all the shit that makes that bothers me in that movie Mm. so i'm having this thought and then the next scene it cuts to the fbi agent and his husband in the therapist's office and I'm like, right. Oh, you motherfucker, Michael Bay. But there's no jokes at the expense of them being gay. Yeah. There's no, yeah. he's not, uh, he shows amazing restraint for Michael Bay. Uh, yeah. In that moment. It almost seemed, felt calculated in a way where it's like, you think I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this instead. Thank goodness. Which, thank goodness. But for me, like the joke stuff was, um, there's like a lot of stuff with like Garrett Dillahunt and like the g- woman that's kind of like yes. dispatched. Yes. That I so thought she was shows like, up after and, the therapist's office. Yeah. So like some of that stuff I thought was kind of like, Oof. Yes. and then um, the there's a beat that people really like that I think was in one of the the ads where 
they stop in the middle of the chase because they need to cool to Jake Gyllenhaal needs to like relax and they play uh, like an ironic kind of yes. musical choice. Sailing by Christopher Cross. I wasn't going to spoil it. Oh, sorry. Sailing by Christopher <laughs> Cross. And I just like it felt at odds with what was going on in the movie. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I mean, I, I there is something to be said where and hard boiled is kind of like this, too, where it's. Um, you know, what if instead of us having set pieces, what if the entire thing is a set piece, yeah. basically? Yeah. And there is something to be said for that, like sustaining that energy yeah. and sustaining that. And I think, like, obviously, Michael Bay is like, you know, even if you're not the biggest fan of his, like, altogether, like, you'd be crazy to deny that he can't stage action better than almost right. anyone. Right. Um, I just thought that you need space for like moments to pop. And like, there were certain things where it's like, wow, that guy really flew through the windshield of the yeah, ambulance right, and stuff. Right. But it's almost like by that point, you're just kind of numb. Yeah. And um, if, if it wasn't so like full speed ahead. And I, I mentioned this to you yesterday, I was trying to think of like, well, why does speed work? Cause speed does the same thing, but that ambulance is doing it for me personally. Like I just don't like with the exception of the nurse, like I, or the, uh, the EMT, I just don't care about any of these characters. Okay. So that, that's fair. Yeah. I found myself caring about Yahya Abdul Mateen. You know, I think they set him up to be sympathetic enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I more or less, I completely agree with you about the Jake Gyllenhaal performance, but I just like Jake Gyllenhaal so much. I, and I do that too. I was yeah. yeah. Enjoying his performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I so appreciated that there were like dramatic stakes and yeah. emotional stakes and mm-hmm. enough character growth for a few of the characters. You know, you mentioned the thing at the end and it's like, look, this person has an arc. They're not just in this yeah. movie to be laughed at and made fun of. Um, I I I recognize I'm never going to be like a full on Michael Bay guy mm-hmm. because his style particularly the editing style um just doesn't jive with my taste but I was thinking as I'm thinking that as I'm watching the movie I was like remembering something I want to say that Outlaw Vern said he was talking about French Dispatch and he was com- talking about critics who were complaining about all the Wes Anderson-ness of that movie. And he yeah. was like, yeah, you don't watch a Tati movie and go, oh, great. Now he goes with more of that Tati bullshit. Yeah. Like, this is a Michael Bay movie. I can't complain about the Michael Bay-ness of it all. But I do feel mm-hmm. like for the first time in a long time, he was really trying to service the material yeah. instead of uh, elevating it or dragging it down, however you look at it, to like just being this Michael Bay movie. No, I agree with that. And also, like, as much as I, you know, have complaints about certain Michael Bay movies, when I look back at his uh, his filmography, I was trying to, like, figure out where Ambulance would fit for Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. And that was maybe, like, my sixth or seventh favorite of his movies. And I could, like, unqualified, like, with no no, – you know qualms like say that i legitimately like five of his movies and yep. i can't say that about every director so sure. yeah, yeah, yeah i mean like yeah. so that's that's still quite a bit even though he's made you know what 15 or something like right. that but like if ambulance is like for me like your sixth best movie that's pretty good yeah 
So. Yeah, this is the uh, this was like the one that I've been waiting for for a long time because I go to see every Michael Bay movie or except for Thirteen Hours. I still haven't seen Thirteen Hours. Yeah, uh, or I'll watch Six Underground on Netflix, and mm-hmm. every time I'm like, maybe this will be the one that like turns me around on Michael Bay or where it really clicks because it hasn't since like the '90s for me. Yeah, um, and I do feel like th- this was that movie for me, so I was real happy about it. One thing that's kind of interesting about this Michael Bay movie too is um, I. It was a bit of a departure from his, like, I think that in a lot of his recent movies, whether it be um, Pain and Gain or the Transformers movies or um, Six Underground of what I watched of it, it's like (laughs) in service of, like, the central cool guy. Right. And I think in this one, it's interesting because, like, I don't think we're ever meant to think, like, Jake Gyllenhaal is super cool. Like, we're supposed to think of him as kind of like a loose cannon. Well, there's even a point at yeah. which one of the characters says, hey, we're the bad guys. Yeah. Which I thought was cool because mm-hmm. it comes after being with them for so long that you kind of have to be reminded that, like, even though these are our protagonists. Yeah. These are the villains of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that was cool. I'm starting to like it a little bit more. Nice. Two and a half is inching over to three stars. Very nice. What are the five that you legitimately like? I'm... I Bad Boys. Okay. Um, the Rock. Yeah. Armageddon. Yeah. Bad Boys Two. Even uh, though I've got okay. problems with it, it's <laughs> like the action in it is just undeniable. It it, it really is. Um, and then the island. Okay. And then I would put Ambulance, and then maybe Pearl Harbor next. Ooh, that's a like stiff drop off. But there's a lot. But like the, those Transformers <laughs> movies do absolutely nothing for me. And no, like, me either. I hate pain and gain. And um, I haven't seen all of Thirteen Hours or right. or Six, Six Underground. Underground. So. Although we were talking last night about the cool shit in Transformers: Dark of the Moon, because there is some cool shit yeah. in that movie. Yeah. As long as it's not Transformers on the screen, right? It's, or <laughs> or uh, the hour of Shia LaBeouf like applying for jobs. Well, that I was in for. <laughs> So. What job you gonna land, Wit Wiki? Did, was I wrong about the end credits? Did you stay through the end? They're credits? longer than a minute. They are longer than yeah, a minute. Yeah. What was I doing? They must have just cut them off, or you got sucked into your phone because that's weird. <laughs> was it like two minutes? Uh, um, were they like because they weren't like ten minutes? Like no, they, they weren't okay. crazy long. Yeah, yeah. So the background for this, everyone, was <laughs> yesterday when I saw the movie. The end credits started. It shows like the Jake Gyllenhaal like ambulance thing, and then I started looking at my phone and I was reading an article about Jada Pinkett Smith for some reason, and uh, about how she said like their wedding was horrible and everything. And I'm just like, ooh, I don't like her. And then um, I looked up and it said like Universal like Studios right. logo, and I'm just like, that was like a minute, unless I was reading <laughs> this very slowly. <laughs> The Universal logo came on at the beginning, mm-hmm. and my son Charlie, who came with me to see the movie, yeah. turned to me and said, "Oh, there's going to be a Jake Gyllenhaal ride at Universal Studios. <laughs> and then he said, but something goes wrong. The movie doesn't make any money. <laughs> I was like, that's a pretty good joke, Charlie. He's very aware of Jake Gyllenhaal's box office. <laughs> he is. I that, I do feel bad for him in that regard because I think Jake Gyllenhaal is an interesting actor, and I like he's him. Great. And he's a, he does a lot of cool movies. Yes. And, it's a bummer that every time he's in like a mainstream like movie where it's testing his box office, right? It flops, right? So it's a bummer. It's but, Prince uh, of Persia all over again. I, I walked out of that one. <laughs> I stayed for the whole thing. Yeah. God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> um, am I up? Yeah. Besides ambulance, yeah. I just have two other ones that I'll quickly talk about. Um, the other night I rewatched Shogun Assassin. Mm-hmm. 
uh, because I had shown Yojimbo to a class and it made me want to revisit Shogun Assassin. Uh, and that movie rules. I saw it once at the Music Box for, I think, that Grindhouse Festival. Yeah, we were together. Oh, were we? Okay. Yeah. Um, that was such a cool weekend. I wish they would mm-hmm. do that again. That was like their secret screening. They showed it right after House by the Summit. No, other one. Uh, Gates of Hell. You know, City of the Living Dead. Yeah. Um, Shogun Assassin. It, it, I mean, it's such a weird movie if you have seen it or if you've read the background on it. Like, it's two movies cut together into one like greatest hits reel they add voiceover which shouldn't work but i love the voiceover they add a synthesizer score by one of the guys from paul revere and the raiders that Mm. shouldn't work it's like one of the best movie scores ever yeah um i just love it i think it's an awesome movie yeah i like it too where'd you watch it here is it it streaming anywhere i don't think so i have the blu-ray oh okay i didn't bother to look and see if it's streaming anywhere but i'll look it up right now it'll be (laughs) fine Weirdly enough, it didn't make me want to rewatch the rest of the Shogun Assassin movies. It made me want to go back and watch all the Lone Wolf and Cub movies. Okay. It makes me want to go back and watch Kill Bill Volume 2. Also a good movie. Yes. I like. Mm-hmm. Um, it is streaming on the Criterion channel, if you have the Criterion channel. I don't have that. <laughs> it's not streaming. I don't have a lot of money. When's Miss <laughs> Maisel going to be on TV? <laughs> Backstory for that, everyone, is I was at the out-of-sight screening, and there was a Q&A, and one of the first questions somebody asked was, when is the streaming shows like Miss Maisel going to be on TV? I don't have a lot of money. Um, the only other movie I'll talk about is a movie I kind of took a chance on. It's a new release that was streaming on Vudu called The Last Sun. And this has become one of my orphans for the year in S-O-N? terms of like SON. Okay. Yeah. Um, it stars Sam Worthington, mm-hmm. who is your guy, my guy. Yeah. But he's making a choice. Oh, <laughs> he's okay. doing. He's doing a voice like if okay. Uh, say like I'm looking for my son as Will Patton. I'm looking for my son. Okay, now have laryngitis as Will Patton. I'm looking for my son. That's what Sam Worthington <laughs> sounds like in The Last Son. What? It's a choice, wow. let me tell you. Is he supposed to have laryngitis? I don't really know. That's not part of his character. Is somebody on his windpipe? <laughs> no. Oh, did They you? don't explain the voice, which is kind of interesting. Speaking of windpipe, real quick, did you ever see the Trip movies? No. I forgot which one it was, but somebody said, like Rob Brydon says to Steve Coogan, he's like, where do you stand on Michael Buble? He's like, right on his windpipe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Sam Worthington is this, like, piece of shit cowboy going around the country murdering all of the children he's sired over the years Mm. because he believes this prophecy that one of his kids will kill him. Wow. Heather Graham plays a prostitute who gave birth to one of his sons, played by Machine Gun Kelly, Mm. who I didn't realize was Machine Gun Kelly until halfway through the movie because he's billed as uh, Colson Baker. So these are all grown children or some like children children? We only see grown children. Yeah, we don't get to watch children. How old is Sam Worthington? Not old enough to have fathered Machine Gun Kelly, I don't think. I don't think think Heather Graham is either, but you know, have like a snub nose Kelly right now, but like not a machine gun. (laughs) But to really sell you on it, pursuing Sam Worthington 
Oh boy. Is a part uh, indigenous, or he was raised with indigenous people, Tom Jane. Oh my goodness. Yeah, indigenous you better believe Tom it. Jane. <laughs> yeah. There's some acting choices being made, I'm sure. <laughs> He's mostly just doing his, like, um, Tom Jane, like his low voice, kind of gruff. So I'm going after Sam Worthington. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Is that's... he wearing shoes? Uh, I want to say he is wearing shoes. Those are foot prisons. <laughs> I love um, Tom Jane. This movie was like produced or distributed by Redbox. Okay. Starring Tom Jane and Sam Worthington, like everything, and Machine oh, yes. Gun Kelly. Every single thing about this yeah. screams piece of shit schlock, and I really liked it. That's it's awesome. not schlocky at all. It's like super, and I mean this as a compliment, it's super IFC. Okay. Um, it's really gorgeous and well made. It's very dark. It's very. Tim Sutton, did he direct anything else? He directed that movie Dark Knight that both you and I avoided at the Chicago Critics Film Festival a couple years ago because it was about a movie theater shooting. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So I still yeah. haven't seen it, okay. but I know I looked him up and saw that he directed it. He's directed a handful of movies. I haven't seen any of them except The Last Sun. Okay. Um, I know this because they post it on the on the Voodoo homepage. Mm-hmm. It has like a thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and I just I was baffled the whole time because I'm like, even if you don't think it's great, I don't know. It's a pretty well made movie, mm-hmm. and we don't get so many of those, especially at this budget level and like with this cast. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's not going to be on my top 10 list, but it's for sure going to be one of my underrated picks for the year. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes is the worst because like definitely something will get like 95% and immediately me, immediately my brain is like, that's generic shit. <laughs> I'm like, but if I see something gets 82, I'm like, Ooh, that makes choices. People are going to like this. Right. Like, the, like, right. Like some people are going to love this and some people are going to hate this. Yeah. And that's what I'm always looking for. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, if something gets a hundred, I'm like, Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Uh, well, this has a 13, so it's that great. Might be, that might be good. I mean, down to use 4%. I mean, if it's 9% better than down to you. No one drinks shampoo in this. No, like, Machine well. Gun Kelly, not terrible. Okay. Uh, He's good in Jackass forever. In his one yeah, scene. he gets the shit punched out of him, which is kind of nice. Yeah. He was The last thing I saw him in was Midnight in the Switchgrass. Yeah. Uh, where it's more just a cameo. And this, you know, he's wearing like a handkerchief around his neck and shit. Like he's got to cover up all his tattoos. Yeah. So uh, I really liked it. I, if if it comes to Redbox, you know, I can't necessarily tell people to pay the six bucks to rent it on Vudu, But when it comes to Redbox, I'm definitely going to be beating the drum for it because I think more people should see it. Awesome. Yep. Let's talk about New Jack City from 1991. Sounds good. What is the genesis of this show? The genesis of this show is um, Oscar night. Yeah. Uh, there was a odd reunion because <laughs> everything planned for the At Oscars. At least it was, was sort of a an anniversary, wasn't yeah. it? Well, they, it wasn't the 28th anniversary of Pulp Fiction. <laughs> exactly. It, they might as well have just said John Travolta, Uma Thurman, Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction. Right. Just like, do that. Yeah. 20, just do that. Yeah. So... It was the 30th anniversary of White Men Can't Jump. It was great to see Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, and Rosie Perez all together. It looks like they still get along, which is, I don't know, it just always makes me happy when like the cast of movies that you sure. love like seem to get along. Um, and I was texting you about like just how much we like Wesley Snipes. 
and how great he is and how awesome it is that like he's back and we wish that he was in more movies Definitely. and you know like then it turned into a conversation about like how great he was in dolomite is my name and everything and then i said we should do a wesley snipes movie soon because i just want to like talk about how underrated drop zone is like, <laughs> um which is one of the best action movies of 1994 <laughs> i will put it out there it's not the best but it's one of the best 94 what else was there well, true speed lies was the best oh, one. speed yeah i'll take drop zone over true lies i probably would as well yeah i don't even love drop zone like mm-hmm. i would go terminal velocity over drop zone yeah there's there was the the when I saw Point Break at the New Beverly, it was what they call on the show, the Pure Cinema show, the full meal. So it wasn't <laughs> like a double feature with anything. But the whole time I'm just like, oh, Drop Zone. <laughs> could have put Drop Zone after this. Um, but yeah, no, New Jack City is one of my favorite Wesley Snipes movies. And yeah. I think that it's one of his best performances. And this was the movie that sort of, like he had been in stuff before this. But it was sort of like him kind of still building up to his stardom. And this was the movie that kind of launched him into stardom. Yeah. And I think it's such an interesting kind of cross-section of like his 90s career, which was, you know, dramatic work and then also action type of movies. And I remember hearing Spike Lee talking about him where somebody asked, they're just like, hey, you know, Wesley Snipes is so good and like Mo Better Blues. Like, why didn't you work with him again? And he's like, Wesley Snipes always wanted to be action guy. Like, he did dramas in order to build up, like, the credibility in order to get action vehicles. So, like, once he had that, that he got what he wanted, and that's what he wanted to do. Okay. Um, So I always thought that was, like, really interesting. But, I mean, he is so – it's tough to, like – I think it's also – it's kind of tough and easy because, like, this is clearly an antecedent of Scarface – yeah. So it's like what you're doing as Nino Brown is going to be, you know, and they, they, they're they not hiding from it. Right, There's a scene right. where they show uh, Nino Brown in his screening room watching Scarface. It's literally being projected on him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're kind of putting yourself up for comparison with Al Pacino as Tony Montana. And I think that, you know, it's a flashy part of something that, like, you could go big with. And you could be, like, if you're a charismatic actor, there's a lot of scenery to chew. But I think that he's so, just so good in it in a way that's, like, he's always evil. But he's, like, you get the seduction part of it. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's not one of those gangster movies like Goodfellas where, like, you see the upside aspects of it too much Mm -hmm. because in that movie like you're there's a certain it's not glamorizing but you can understand kind of like the allure right of being able to get whatever you want whenever you want um but with this it's just like you see like you know the 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 carter apartments where it's like right from when you go into like the like you get through the door with your blockbuster membership card (laughs) um like it's hell right and he surrounds himself with this hell all the time, except when he's in this, you know, mansion in where, you know, not in Harlem, probably. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, I just love Wesley Snipes. And like, just to see him on top of his game, it makes you wish that he had a more extended career yeah. of roles like this. But it also makes you appreciate just how terrific of an actor he is and like, how lucky we were to have so many great performances by him in such a short period of time. I think more than anything, he's going to be remembered for like playing blade. 
and that's fine because mm-hmm. like Blade is a kick-ass movie, yeah, and he's great in terms of like doing the action and doing the martial arts, and he's like the coolest motherfucker in the room. Mm. But Blade as a character, I think, is pretty uninteresting and pretty flat. Yeah. Um, so it bums me out a little because he has, you know, 10 to 15 years of incredible work before Blade mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't get talked about as much. And then post-Blade, it really becomes DTV and prison, you know. So he he gets out of prison and he makes expendables three and it's like yay wesley snipes is back and yeah. he's like the highlight of that movie in brooklyn's finest oh i remember Bray, he was good yeah. in brooklyn's finest yeah. it just it didn't come to much yeah and he's still not doing a ton he always seems to have to like restart yeah like it's like you think that brooklyn's finest is gonna be like the relaunch and right. then it's like it doesn't happen and then it's expendables three and it doesn't happen right. and then it's like you know he's popping up in like two scenes in cutthroat city or like he's What's in Golem City. It was um it came out like during the pandemic. It was like in theaters when theaters were for the most part shut down oh, and then it okay. quickly went on to DVD. But okay. it it's kind of like a New Orleans set like Brooklyn's finest, basically. Okay. It's right. kinda lame. Yeah. It's not very good. Yeah. It's got like Shamar Moore and like the guy who played Tupac and All Eyes on Me and no. a few other things. But like it's one of those movies where it's like you got the young up and comers, and then you got like Ethan Hawke for two scenes, and then you okay. got like Wesley Snipes for two scenes and stuff like that. Okay, so, but yeah. yeah, he is so great in Dolomite is my name. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's amazing in that movie. Yeah, and then also another thing, just kind of coinciding with like my Oscar appreciation of him was I rewatched uh, Waiting to Exhale about, or I not rewatched, I watched it for the first time. Okay, and mm-hmm. Angela Bassett is by far the best thing in that movie of the quartet of women. Um, but a lot of her scenes in the second half of the movie are like these like co- bar conversations where she meets up with Wesley Snipes and she's a recent divorcee and he's about to be a widower or um, because like his wife is terminally ill and they're sort of like these strangers that kind of like just come together for a moment and like are compassionate with one another and they're scenes together pop so much where it's like one of those moments where you're just like i wish this was the movie and like everything else would just go away right and yeah i mean he's he can just balance within a scene like just being so dramatically interesting but then also sort of light like and comedic and everything and uh yeah no it's it's good he can be really i mean white man can't jump he's really funny in that movie. oh my god it's one of the best comedies ever it's got to be the one-two punch of New Jack City and White Men Can't Jump that really mm-hmm. make him kind of a superstar. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and then right after that, you know, of course, Boiling Point. <laughs> Who could forget Boiling Point? <laughs> I've seen Boiling Point. I, I don't remember Boiling, boiling Point. point. <laughs> I have. I saw. I watched it once, and I thought it was terrible. And okay. then I bought it for two dollars. And you know, Dennis Hopper's it. in it, and maybe yeah. Vigo. Uh, he's in it. Lolita Davidovich. Sure. Dan Hedaya. Okay, it's an all-star um, cast. Yeah, but yeah, and then he had like. Passenger 57, Passenger 57 and Demolition yeah. Man, and then it right. was kind of off to the... I forget Demolition Man. Yeah. I don't love him in that. I love Wesley Snipes, but he is a less interesting villain in that than he is in, say, New Jack City. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's fun in Demolition Man in the same way that Stallone's fun in okay. Demolition Man, where yeah. they're just like... I love Demolition Man. Yeah. I just don't necessarily love Simon Phoenix. Yeah. New Jack City might be my favorite Snipes performance. Okay. I think mine's White Man Can't Jump. Okay. But it's I haven't close. seen it in a long time. It's close, yeah. Um, 
And I hadn't seen New Jack City since we did it for F This Movie Fest. Yeah. It was like the second year, maybe? Yeah. I think it was the first year I was here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, luckily, it's a movie I know almost by heart because mm-hmm. I watched it so much growing up. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember being on vacation with my friend's family in Orlando and talking his parents into taking us to see it, buying the soundtrack in Florida, and then renting it when it came out on vhs and like dubbing the vhs so i had my own copy yeah and just playing the shit out of it like yeah. i have it memorized mm-hmm. um but I, wesley snipes is just so charismatic yeah as nino brown yeah and um i that's one question i have for you because like you know you and i both saw it at young ages like before you know the movies rated r we saw it clearly before we were 17 <laughs> sure. i saw it when i was like 10 I mean, like, it was just, when it was on cable, it was like, I was watching it. Yeah. Um, Is the movie, because it has heavy subject matter. Yeah. And I think the movie deals with it in a serious manner. It's not, like, flip with it. But um, is the movie, like, too, um, how do I put this? Like, I guess kind of poppy in its like treatment of the crack epidemic where it's like it's a fun movie almost even though it's such a heavy subject matter i could definitely say like if somebody said you know is new jack city fun to watch it's like yes it is and it's very entertaining yeah but it deals with like this heavy tone and i also saw other people label it as kind of like at the time like a you know kind of a neo black exploitation movie and the, a lot of black exploitation movies of the ones I've seen, I'm not an expert by any means, like definitely handled heavy subject matter with yeah. like in a very entertaining way. Right. So I, I find it almost, you know, it's not like a demerit against the movie. It's almost more impressive that like it gets its message across in such a, uh, an accessible way. I actually think that's what's, particularly great about the movie and Mm -hmm. i do think like i do think new jack city is a great movie um not just like a good one but i think it's a genuinely great movie and i love the fact that it's this intersection between black exploitation action gangster and message movie yeah and it does all of them equally well yes and it's crazy that this was mario van peebles's first movie as a director yeah because he's so it 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 feels like a movie that he's had in his head for yeah you know at least you know the movie starts in 1986 so like clearly it's some point in the Reagan era that he's right. had in era. his head for era. <laughs> um, one thing I was confused about when I was doing some like reading about the movie yeah is I'm reading stuff about how it's um it was like the highest grossing independent movie of 1991 okay and it premiered at sundance which i did not know i didn't either but then also like i get that it could be independently produced and then picked up and distributed by warner brothers but i read this anecdote where one of the guys who kind of like helped get helped mario van peebles get this movie through the warner brothers channels is clint eastwood because they work together at in uh heartbreak ridge interesting and Clint Eastwood was like, this is good. Give this kid a shot. Wow. So if Clint Eastwood was somebody in New Jack City. Yeah. 
who should he have been? <laughs> He'd be the Bill Cobb's character, I'm sure. <laughs> Just any excuse to... God damn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get out of my courtyard. <laughs> Yeah, it's so not, I, a good, I not a good look for Clint. But no, I uh, could, so I couldn't, I couldn't figure that out. Like, how much of this is like yeah, right. a Warner, just a studio movie, yeah. or like how much is this like really an independent movie? Yeah, but uh, I mean, it looks like the greatest independent movie ever. Like the cinematography on this movie, and like the editing, and just everything about it technically is is top notch. It's really solid. It bums yeah. me out that Mario Van Peebles. I mean, he would make more movies. Yeah. Um, his next movie was Posse, which yeah. I just rewatched, and I still don't think it works. Okay, I appreciate what it's going for, mm-hmm. and it's entertaining enough, and the cast is really good. You know, Stephen Baldwin aside, mm-hmm. um, but it's fun to watch Tone Loke play a cowboy. You know, I've been meaning to watch that and like Panther forever. Panther I've I never just, seen. I've never gone around. Panther's yeah. hard to find. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. So's the The Walking Dead. You have to catch it on like one of the secondary stars channels. Like that's right. where it always like right. that's like how I found White Man's Burden. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like who has the time? Uh, um but then kind of didn't direct anything like as good as New Jack City ever again. I heard Badass is really good, but I've never seen it. Badass is really good, actually, yeah. to be fair. And that seemed like, I forgot about Badass. Yeah. Um, that really seemed like that was going to be a comeback. But mm-hmm. now he's directing like USS Indianapolis Men of Courage with yeah. Nicolas Cage. And like that movie is just kind of as generic as they come. And mm. uh, it lacks all the style and all the energy of New Jack City. I find it fascinating based on him trying to position himself as an action star in the mid nineties yes. with like solo and then you know he was in the Highlander Gunman Gunman and stuff. Like why wouldn't he have wanted the iced tea part? Unless he, he just he had was more smart so much to, on his plate. Yeah, yeah. I mean to recognize that like he's a name, so he should put himself in the movie somewhere. I mean, I think he gave himself the right part. Yeah. Um, because God damn is Ice T so great good. in this movie. So good. Yeah. It's it's hard to watch now and forget that like he was not an actor when this movie came out. You know, yeah, he's he, been on Law was... and Order SVU for so many years mm-hmm. that now he's an actor. He's Ice T. He's been in Leprechaun sequels and he's in yeah. lots of trash. But like he wasn't an actor when this movie came out. That was a big gamble to cast him in the lead of the, you know, second lead of the movie. Yeah, he's just a natural. Like, yes. you know, for, between this and then like the next year with Trespass, it's like he's yeah. immediately like commands your attention yeah. and he's fun to watch and everything. And I found it interesting. Like, the end of this movie is like almost an indicator of what his career would, you know, lead to with Law and Order because it's like. Right. I busted the guy and now I'm in court watching like the prosecutors screw it up and everything <laughs> like that. It's fascinating. By the way, how much, how great is it? Uh, we'll talk about Judd Nelson, but yeah. like my favorite Judd Nelson comes after Bill. I keep wanting to say Bill Nunn, but Bill Cobbs yeah. shoots Nino Brown. Oh yeah. It's a Judd Nelson too. and he just smiles. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. I, um, I was stunned. Like when I was just kind of, and I totally agree with you on that moment. It's fantastic. The ending's great. <laughs> yeah. Um it's uh I Bill Cobbs was fifty six when this movie was made and he How looks old like he now? he's like nine <laughs> eighty something or ninety something. But like he did Demolition Man 
two years later, he was like 58, and he looked like he was like 100. Holy cow. And it's just, I, I never want to lose this man. No. Like, Bill Cobbs is a treasure. Yes, and he is. This movie in 91, also People Under the yeah. Stairs. Yeah. Kelly Joe Minter, also yeah. People Under the Stairs. They were a package deal. They were. <laughs> yeah. They came together. You had to hire one if you were going to hire the other. Mm-hmm. She's like, where are the original Kane be? <laughs> she should have had a bigger part. She just does like the one line in recovery. Yeah. Not enough Minter for me. Not enough KJM. No, there's totally been, should have been way more Kelly Joe. I would say give her Vanessa Williams part, but I love Vanessa Williams in this movie. I'll rock a bye, baby. I, for some reason, because she says it like twice within the short span at the yeah. beginning, I just thought that she said that every single line. <laughs> Then they just would have called her Rockabye. And yeah. Then she's like a Dick Tracy villain. And then Sean <laughs> Mullins sings a song about her. Yeah. Yeah. He's just Everything like. gonna be alright. I tease, but I love that song. Oh, come on. I like it. How I don't know you love that song. You know I got shit musical taste. <laughs> no secret. We talked about this yesterday. Time, love, and tenderness. <laughs> Speaking of which, what's your yeah. favorite Color Me Bad song? Oh, is is mean, it I Want to Sex You Up? It's got to be just for its connection to this movie, because this is where I was introduced to that song and mm. that group Yeah, was on this soundtrack. Not to judge, but I think that if you say I Want to Sex You Up is your favorite Color Me Bad song, you're a simp and that you oh, should yeah. listen to like I Adore Me Amore. One I know time. I Adore Me Amore. Yeah. Don't worry. They yeah. sing it in I multiple know. languages. <laughs> Well, and there's two versions of I Want to Sex You Up. Is there? I believe so. Oh. All for Love is a good one, too. Uh, I remember All for Love. Yeah. I thought this... Okay, so I re-listened to the soundtrack for this movie. Okay. And I thought it was wall-to-wall perfect. Yeah. But then, like, when I re-listened to it, I'm just like, oh, no, it's just four songs. And there's some filler. So New Jack Hustler. New Jack Hustler. Literally my favorite Ice-T song. You had to this day. I, I don't know why I remember this because this was many years ago. But I remember during that F this movie fest, you had the best observation about it was like he's rapping to an action sequence that he's part that he's like <laughs> yeah. leading. It's just yeah. amazing. It's such a flex. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Um. So there's that one. Yeah. There's for the love of money, um, which is awesome. The Queen troop Latifah. and Bert and Queen. There's Queen Latifah who does like featuring a, Queen Latifah yeah, on there. There's the Color Me Bad song. Okay. I think the sleeper of that soundtrack yeah. is I'm Dreaming by Christopher Williams. Christopher who, Williams, who's in the movie. Who's in the movie. Yeah. Um, he's the mastermind behind CMB. Yeah, exactly. And he's just like, <laughs> what? Um, no, I just, I love that. There's, um, uh, I think it's Alexander O'Neill or like, there's another singer from like the late 80s. Um, and Christopher Williams has this too, where there was this whole style of music, like where it was kind of like hip hop. It was, it was hip hop basically. Um, and like club music, but like their singing voice is just like, I watched the Bulls and Jordan scored 30. It was really cool. And I went to school. (laughs) I like it. And I'm just like, I could have done that. And it's just like, it's (laughs) aspirational, I guess. But like, yeah, I'm dreaming. So good, yeah. So good, yeah. But uh, I'm not a huge uh, Two Live Crew fan, but mm-hmm. I do like In the Dust or In the Dirt. Yeah, uh, just most In the Dust, mostly for its use in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I like it in the movie better than I like it on the soundtrack. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I like. Um, so 
I was really impressed with Nino Brown's screening room. I think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that his bedroom looks like he's Dracula. <laughs> I like that he threatens people with s- scabbards. Shots <laughs> them through their hands. Yeah. Like that, Christopher Williams. No, I just like Good that he's- holding a microphone. It's, I wish they kind of just delved into his gothic thing a little right, bit more. Right. Because like just the ornamental aspect of it, I'm just like, this is great. <laughs> Is this the moment where like the hip hop community really begins to embrace Scarface as like I their I, movie? I wouldn't be the right person to ask this because like I was nine at the time, All so right. I don't know like point, you had your placing it in on the pulse. <laughs> sure, I mean as much as you know the elementary school set, <laughs> I probably did, but um, I think so. I mean, like because after this, a lot of. Um, a lot of people, like, I think there was a wrestler that, like, took on the New Jack moniker, and oh. then there was, like, Cash Money Records and things like that. So, like, it was definitely, like, influential, and kind of Nino Brown was sort of, like, the hip-hop version of Tony Montana, even though Tony Montana kind of was a hip-hop version of it, too. Yeah, because so, I feel like the the know. hero worship or the, the celebration, the embrace of the pop culture came with Scarface. Yeah. Why not New Jack City? Why not just go right to the source? Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, like, I think they're kind of like maybe equally renowned. Okay. It's like maybe New Jack City kind of like codified the Scarface worship. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I, I just I don't think because this movie obviously has a pretty significant cultural footprint. At the same time, I don't hear it talked about that much. No, no. Although. There's only so movies, so many movies we can talk about. But like Scarface once. gets talked about all the time. That's true. You do have a good and not New Jack City. Yeah, I don't know and New Jack City. I like better than Scarface. I like yeah. Scarface. I yeah. like Brian De Palma a lot. The last time I watched Scarface was the best time I ever watched Scarface, okay. and I think I couldn't put my finger on something which was I found interesting. Where like there's just there's no center to Tony Montana or like Michelle Pfeiffer's character. And that's kind of why they're actually like an oddly good pairing Sure, is because like they're, they're accumulating this wealth and power and service of nothing because nothing will ever make them happy. Right. And I think with um, Nino Brown, maybe he's a bit, maybe there's more of an inner life to him yeah. than, than that. Um, one question yeah. I have for you. Okay. Because this is one beat of the movie that I don't think works. It's like a coincidence that I wish wasn't in the movie, which is that oh, the I woman, hate this. I hate the this. woman that Nino Brown killed as the gang initiation was Ice T's mom. Because I think it's such an unnecessary. I've always hated detail. it. It's some Batman shit. Yeah. Where just like uh, you made me, I made I made you, you made me first. Yeah. Um, that was my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't like it at all. Yeah. I like both stories separately. I do too. I like I see yeah. saying my mom was killed by some drug addict. I like Wesley Snipes telling the story of his initiation. Mm-hmm. I wish the two were completely unrelated events. Yeah. Because or even leave it up to mystery. It's like right. was that Right. But like to for him to put the Yes. to put a point on it, yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Never liked it. Even the first time I saw it when I was in, like, seventh grade, I was like, no, that's an unnecessary coincidence. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe just in this age of, like, world building, I'm just like, no. 
It no. makes it's it's that it's that Rise of Skywalker bullshit where it just it makes the world too small. Mm-hmm. How great know. would it be if at the end of Rise of Skywalker, Ray was just like Ray Brown? Nice. She's, she's the Nino Brown. She's the new Nino Brown of <laughs> yeah. the galaxy. Oh, she's the, that's even better. She's the new Nino Brown. She yeah. just says, "Am I my brother's keeper?" and runs her lightsaber through that old lady's hand. She opens up an apartment <laughs> building in Tatooine, and she like holds the landlord by gunpoint and strips him down naked and walks him around the, the block. Yeah. She holds a lightsaber to his head. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it too. Um, Chris Rock Poofy is really is good. played by this. Wookie, speaking of, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. speaking of Chris yeah. Rock. Chewbacca is Pookie. He's great. Again, Pookie is the Wookie. talk about taking a chance. Chris Rock was like a pretty up-and-coming comedian who had been on SNL briefly at that point yeah maybe i mean he was more known for like well he's probably better known i don't know when he started on snl but it was around that period but like i mean he was the guy with the funny bit in i'm gonna get right right right, right. how much for just one rib yeah exactly yeah Yeah. uh i just mario van peebles takes all these chances casting Mm -hmm. ice t casting christopher williams casting judd nelson judd nelson yeah who was sort of, you know, quote unquote, washed up at this point mm-hmm. and wasn't, you know, he was more associated with uh, John Hughes and teen movies and movies that were very, very, for lack of a better word, white yeah. than something like New Jack City. And Chris Rock, you know, is a huge gamble because he's this comedian that you're asking to play a part that's 95% heavy dramatic. Yeah. And like Ice T, he's super good because he's just authentic. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, he's really good. And like, he can still be funny. Like, he'll have, like, yeah. a, an, like a, you know, he can toss off a line that's funny right. and everything like that. But, like, yeah, it's it's different. And maybe it's because, like, by the time he was really doing his own movies, he was kind of this persona where, like, he had to kind of have, like, sure. socio-political commentary and everything like that where, like, he was sort of, you know, had to kind of play Chris Rock. Right. But, like, this one, it was, it was interesting, like, that, um, uh, yeah, he's just blends right in into like this dramatic role and services the story and he's he's great i don't believe that when he, they find out that he's a snitch that they could set the entire apartment building on fire kill him and strap a bomb to him before the police could get into the building but i don't know maybe they ran that drill several times well it's super weird there's two things one yeah. you know mario van peebles is weird as a boss because he's just like i need some new jack cops to take down a new jack gangster which yeah. i'm just like you're just saying that so that the title of the movie makes sense but yeah. okay you guys do you you do what you want okay we want to hire chris rock what are you fucking crazy no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just yeah. like all right yeah. but also the structure of this movie is so fascinating because it, i haven't seen a lot of like cop movies that do this where it's like multiple attempts fail. So like first they use Chris Rock to go undercover and he gets found out and killed by about the halfway point of the movie. Then Ice-T goes undercover and then he gets found out and shot at and he escapes. And Mm -hmm. it's not until, uh, you know, they bring Nino into court that he's taken down. But just the idea that like multiple plans go south and have to be rethought uh, is really interesting for a cop movie like this. Yeah, no, it's um, it never feels like the movie is kind of um, doing anything but let it letting like the case unfold, right? Which is really cool. Like, I I really like that. And um, to circle back to Wesley Snipes as Nino, like he's so good in this movie. Yes, 
and so charismatic that I'm almost still like, I like Wesley Snipes, when he uses a child as a human <laughs> shield. <laughs> yeah, because we're still on board with Nino Brown after that. Like, yeah. you go to Heat, and that, when Tom Sizemore does it in Heat, yeah. it's the last gasp of a desperate man, and he's killed immediately mm-hmm. thereafter, and you're like, haha, yeah, fuck you, that's what you get for using a kid as a shield. Yeah. Nino Brown does it, and we're still just like, yeah, I don't know, that Nino <laughs> Brown, he's really got something. Like, he's a really good businessman. <laughs> Um, kills his best friend. I mean, everything he does is a horrible in this movie. That's a question. All right, I got a question for you. Yeah. So, is Alan Payne supposed to be his blood relative or his best friend? I thought his I read best friend. Both. Okay, I thought just his best friend. I always, I always thought it was his brother, but like then I read that it was his best friend. But yeah, I I've, I've always thought best friend, but I may be missing something in the movie. By the way, I miss Alan Payne. Sure, I was looking up his filmography, and it kind of just stops and like the mid 2000s okay um his last like theater movie really was like the perfect storm where he was just one of the crewmen i don't remember he him was in that jamaican movie, but i haven't seen it in a um long time. and then he did a long run on tyler perry's house of pain on tv oh yeah i remember that. Um, but i just yeah he was just such a like fun actor like yeah. what it was one of those guys where like when he pops up in a movie you're just happy that he was there so. well again that's what's so yeah. magical about this movie is that as much as it is the nino brown show yeah as much as it is like Wesley Snipes becoming a movie star in the span of a single movie, mm-hmm. um, the whole ensemble is great. And it's, every character yeah. is like interesting and fun and adds color, like Bill Nunn stuttering mm-hmm. through his dialogue or Vanessa Williams doing, you know, Rockabye Baby or yeah. Ice-T or Judd Nelson or Mario Van Peebles. I mean, everybody is like came to play. Yeah. I I love reading the trivia for this movie with like, the people who were almost in it too. Ooh, interesting. So like Vivica Fox was, um, she tried out for the, I think the Michael Michelle part and the Kim and the um, Vanessa Williams part. Okay. Um, I, mean, I guess I could see her in either, but I feel like both would almost be a waste of her talent. Yeah. Tupac was going to be G money, but they said he was too young. Interesting. Um, there, which you know was interesting because like he later played like a pretty similar character in Juice, where he was kind of like trying Juice, to position. Juice is himself. pretty fucking solid. Juice is great. Yeah. Like once I once Ernest Dickerson, like I heard him describe it as like a noir. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> it really is kind of a noir. Ernest Dickerson. I always like. Where Juice, did Ernest but, Dickerson yeah. go? Uh, Walking Dead. I know he does TV yeah. now, and that's great. Yeah. And he's getting paid, and I appreciate that. But yeah. like, I miss the '90s where Ernest Dickerson was like making fucking movies. Yeah. But my favorite "What If" casting, yes, is Tamak from The Last Dragon. It said he lobbied hard to get Scotty Appleton, which is Ice T's part. And interesting, unless Tamak has like. A hard Is edge. The that... villain from last no. year. He's the hero. Yeah. Okay. Unless he's got some kind of like edge that I have never seen, <laughs> I cannot picture that at all. I've only seen the Last Dragon once, and I've I seen, don't remember. It. I've seen the Last Dragon a handful of times, but yeah. like that would be basically like <laughs> asking Michael Jackson like to play Scotty Appleton. <laughs> it would just not work at all. <laughs> so, but. Um, yeah, this movie's rock solid. Love it. Um, oh, Martin Lawrence auditioned for Pookie, but he backed out when Robin Harris died. Interesting. Because Robin Harris was his mentor. Okay. And he was taking it hard. I guess I could see that. I could see it. And then I was watching some YouTube thing where it was like, 
it was a kind of silly YouTube video, but it was like the 13 lessons you could learn from New Jack City. And then, but then they kind of showed like some effects on culture of New Jack City and they showed like that there was like a whole parody of it on the show Martin and everything like that, where like Martin Lawrence pretended he was Nino Brown and he was like drilling like Tommy and Keisha and stuff like that about it. So, wow. Yeah. So I guess he had some kind of residual, like, you know, regret that he didn't, (laughs) he didn't star in new Jack city. Um, okay. You know how we always say like this person should have had a bigger career. Yes. I, I tested the limits of this. Because as I was watching the movie and I saw Russell Wong, I'm like, Russell Wong should have had a bigger career. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, not everybody could have a bigger career. (laughs) I'm like, that's the line. Russell Wong Wong can't have a bigger career. (laughs) He gets done dirty in this movie a little bit. But But he gets the honor of getting killed by the coolest guy in the movie. True. So if I had to go, I want Wesley Snipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least it's not. Vampire or not. Right. (laughs) I'm not a vampire, Wesley Snipes. Don't kill me. I am not. I know you're a gala walker. <laughs> <laughs> what was the? You had a Judd Nelson thing um, that you wanted. To... Yeah, Judd Nelson. Um, apparently, on the first day of set, was not allowed on set because the security was supplied by the Nation of Islam, and they refused to let him on. And he had to go to a payphone and call somebody and wow. tell them that he was in the movie. That's weird to have to do. Yeah, couldn't you have told them like I was in from the hip? Probably. Yeah. I was in Renegades. Or was he in Renegades? He was not in Renegades. What that's movie am I thinking of? Kiefer and uh, he's in Relentless. Relentless. That's yeah. the one I was thinking of. Which is yeah. a William Lustig movie that I've never seen but really want to. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, so this was written, co-written by Barry Michael Cooper. Mm-hmm. And it was based on like an article I think he wrote. Um, and he went on later to write Sugar Hill and Above the Rim. I've never seen Above the Rim. I've never seen Sugar Hill. Interesting. But I've seen reviews on Siskel and Ebert for Mm -hmm. Sugar Hill, and it sounds kind of similar where it's about, like, drug dealing gangsters and, like, the kind of cross between... And My Brother's Keeper. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But Above the Rim, I would recommend. It's pretty... It's got a really good soundtrack, and it's just kind of a fun, like, New Line movie from the 90s. I like New Line movies from the 90s. Yeah. Or any time, for that matter. (laughs) Yeah. I miss New Line I miss it too. Well, New Jack City could have been a New Line movie. It feels like a New it Line. It sure movie. does. <laughs> yeah, it feels like either a Savoy or a New Line movie. A New Line all the way. Yeah, especially with right. all the weird chances that it takes with the casting. Like you can get away with that shit in a New Line movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris Tucker ten years later would have played Pookie. Oh yeah, yeah. Even like six years later. Maybe. Yeah, probably. One thing I thought was funny, speaking of Pookie, was that they show the scene where they're at Pookie's funeral and the cops just leave in the middle of Pookie's yeah, funeral. Yeah, they sure do. And they're, they're the only like, ones there. They're like, it's like a couple of people who are probably in rehab with him <laughs> right. and the cops. And then the, like, they awkward, like Mario Van Peebles awkwardly throws a rose. It doesn't land on the grave. It rolls off the grave. And then they're just like, <laughs> we got business to talk about. We can't do a second take. I like when they're yeah. on the beach and Mario Van Peebles has a kid all of a sudden. You're like, when, when did this happen? Yeah. Yeah, well, but I like it. It gives his character like you know, a life, you know. Exactly, exactly. Um, one thing I noticed was in the scene at the end where they had they were doing um, where Nino was on trial and they were doing the court sketches. Yeah, I'm gonna buy those. <laughs> the original court the original sketches. Court sketch. I have to look on eBay to I'm see if sure they're, they're available. There. Yeah, <laughs> I want iced tea or Nino's, preferably both. Yeah, and a set of two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else? 
<laughs> I don't know. This movie rules. This movie does rule. It is so good. Um, yeah, I think I I I miss Bill Nunn. Yeah, R.I.P. Bill Nunn. R.I.P. Bill Nunn. Um, I have some I have some games for you. I love games. Let me just quickly say that when I saw this in Florida, I saw three movies in Florida on okay. that trip. Yeah, New Jack City, The Hard Way, mm-hmm. If Looks Could Kill. Oh my God! March of ninety one was fucking rock solid, baby. I'm jealous of you being a few years older than me because yeah. what I saw around that time was like King Ralph. <laughs> I still have never seen King Ralph. And uh, well, Ninja Turtles two: The Secret of the King Ralph. I was gonna see that right anyway. around that time. So was I. Yeah. I think The Doors was around that time. Yeah, it sure was. Um, Which we've done a podcast on. Go back and listen to it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so this was Mario Van Peebles' directorial debut. Yeah. Is New Jack City better or worse? Okay, here we go. These 1991 directorial debut films. Oh my gosh, I love this. Okay, The Adams Family. Better. Bill, uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Shit. Shit. Mm-hmm. Is it better or worse than Bogus Journey? Honestly, if you put both in front of me, I mean, I'm gonna both from that F this movie. Fest. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. that was a really good F this movie fest yeah. in '91. Um, I'm going to cheat and say it's a tie, but I will say if you put both of them in front of me, I'm watching New Jack City. Okay. Um, Boys in the Hood. Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Jesus. 91. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it better. Yeah. I can't say it's a better movie, but I like it better. I get it. Um, career opportunities. Better. Delicatessen. <laughs> Never seen it. Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Better. An American Tale of Five Goes West. <laughs> Never saw it. I would love to see Nino Goes West. <laughs> Nino becomes a and cowboy. A, you could still call it an American Tale. Yeah, you really could. An American Tale, Nino Goes West. I um, love all that stuff about stop. this being the American dream and like this movie's so yeah. not anti-America, but critical of America in such an interesting way. It does a great job of blending in the Wall Street Gordon Gecko right. greed is good with right. like with that with the but even that shot of pookie wearing the flag shirt while he hits the crack pipe is just like this is not subtle you know this movie is like operatic it's got a a really good it's got an axe to grind for sure in a good way yeah um beauty and the beast i mean it's certainly not better one's a tale as old as time and one's beauty and the beast Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd rather hear Ice-T sing New Jack Hustler than Angela Lansbury sing Beauty and the Beast. So. I would love to see Pookie take a hit of crack and then he sees, like, <laughs> all the, like, teapots singing and everything. I want Pookie to turn into a teapot. <laughs> yeah. I just want this little teapot next to me going, that should be calling me. He's just like, help me, Scotty! <laughs> I'm a teapot! <laughs> um, we're not making fun of crack addiction, everyone. Oh, um, gosh, no. Okay, New Jack City, you're cool as ice. <laughs> New Jack City. <laughs> New Jack City or Fried Green Tomatoes? I've never seen Fried Green Tomatoes. New Jack City or Guilty by Suspicion? Uh, The De Niro one? Yeah. New Jack City. New Jack City or Hanging with the Homeboys, which I hear is good, but it I've is never good. seen it. It's yeah. really good. Is that the Le- Leguizamo one? Yeah. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I like New Jack City better, but absolutely see Hanging with the Homeboys. That movie will okay. be 100% your jam. Okay. Uh, New Jack City or House Party 2? New Jack City. Pajama Jammy Jam. Yeah. I wish Nino Brown was invited to the Pajama Jammy Jam. Oh my Jammy gosh, Jam. he would have fucked up that Pajama Jammy Jam <laughs> yeah, for he sure. He would have. Um, In his silk PJs. How great would it have been if like, all right, okay. Yeah. 
if you could recast it and it's Mario Van Peebles' part and Ice T's part, but like you had to cast it with Kid and Play, who would play who? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. I think I'm going to cast Kid as Scotty. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> He's think. just like, I knew this guy was 5 0. He's got the giant hair. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it'd be funny if the first time Christopher Williams sees him, he can't quite place him. Just like that hair doesn't <laughs> ring a bell. Yeah. He's like, oh, come on. You look familiar, but. Yeah. He's just like, he's like, I need new Jack cops for a new Jack criminal. Don't play me like that. <laughs> um, I thought you were a class act. <laughs> I like class act. That's movie. Uh, cool. I haven't seen it since cable, but I remember liking it. I was reminded it has raging homophobia in it, which I didn't remember. Oh, I don't but remember the that rest, at all. But the rest of the movie. In a 90s movie? This. Yeah. Yeah. There's an entire, um, you know how like you pointed out like Ted and other and twins and movies where it's like a comedy, but yeah, then it turns yeah, yeah. into like a crime thing at the yeah. end. Class act is one of those, but it happens like the chase is through a wax museum and it's like they're in the horror wing, and it's really oh, fun. I it's, need to see Class Act it's again. It's fun, yeah. Um, New Jack City or Johnny Swade? I do like Johnny Swade, I but it's too. not my favorite Tom DeCillo. Um, uh, I'll go New Jack City. New Jack, this is a, a tough one, I know, for you especially. New Jack City or Little Man Tate? <laughs> I'll go New Jack City. He will not shut up about Little Man no, Tate. You guys. Yeah. yeah. You call it's it like special. LMT, and I'm yeah. like, I have no idea what you're talking Little about. Little Man Tate, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, New Jack City or Madonna Truth or Dare? I don't think I've ever seen it. So I'll say New Jack City. Okay. I own it. I haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> New Jack City, this would be the right movie to pair this with as a double feature. New Jack City or Mobsters? Whoa. <laughs> Imagine that night at the that movies. That is a fucking Friday night double feature. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, New Jack City, but Mobsters rules. Yeah. New Jack City or nothing but trouble. <laughs> New Jack City. <laughs> New Jack City or one good cop. New Jack City. New Jack City or popcorn. New Jack City, but popcorn's super fun. New Jack City or problem child too. New Jack City. Uh, a rage in Harlem. I don't think I've ever seen it. I need to see it. Yeah, me too. New Jack City or Scissors. Sharon Stone. I haven't movie. seen Scissors yet. We have the Blu-ray. Because we bought it at a Kino sale for like four bucks after a Pure Cinema episode sort of talked it up. I'm not proud of this, but I watched Scissors like 30 times on oh, cable wow. because okay. I was like waiting to watch Basic Instinct and I was Got 10. It. And I'm like, Got it. is she naked in this? <laughs> Am I in puberty? <laughs> um, uh, New Jack City or Shakes the Clown? I do love Shakes the Clown. I haven't seen it. I need to see that. But uh, it's New Jack City. New Jack City or Shout with John Travolta and the how kid from, from how, yeah, yeah, yeah and Heather Graham, right? Heather Graham, the young yeah. Heather Graham, yeah. uh, star of The Last Son. Mm -hmm. um, New Jack City. New Jack City or Straight Out of Brooklyn. Never saw it. Is that Maddie Rich? Yeah. Okay. No, I never saw. It. Uh, and then New Jack City or Strictly Business. I used to like Strictly Business. That's another one I need to see. But yeah. I, seen. I definitely used to like it. That was like introducing Halle Berry. Mm -hmm. Although I'm not the biggest Tommy Davidson fan. Yeah. Um, I met him on a plane once. Did you? Yeah. Was he okay? Yeah, he was nice. He said something to me that I, I couldn't figure out and I still can't figure out. Because <laughs> like I was he walking. He said, don't worry, it's Strictly Business. We were both in coach and I'm walking to my seat and he just goes, hey, where are you sitting? And I said like, I don't know, 13F. 
And he goes, oh, I just want to sit by someone. And I'm like, do you mean you want to sit by me? Or, like, <laughs> did you want to sit by the person in 13E? Like, I could not figure it out. Right. But I was just like, are we friends enough to keep continue talking <laughs> about this? Like, I was so confused. Erica um, saw him do stand-up once, and he was like kind of it sounded like the way she described it it was like he was kind of having a nervous breakdown oh that's too bad yeah um okay and then that's how it was when i saw um paulie shore i think it was either paulie shore or somebody else it was somebody like paulie shore anyways there's no one like paulie shore okay? there was somebody like paulie shore it was like nick swarsden or paulie shore or something like that but uh, they were having kind of a, a nervous breakdown only one of them made bucky larson born to be a star <laughs> this is true which I saw theatrically. Okay, and then the last game I have for you is the uh, New Jack City was nominated for three MTV Movie Awards. Yeah. I will tell you the nominees. Okay. And I will tell you the winner, and I want to know if you think New Jack City should have won. Okay, I probably will think New Jack City should have won. Okay, so best breakthrough performance. The Wesley Snipes. It was Ice-T for New Jack City. Motherfuck, I love Ice-T in this movie. Um, But is he better than Edward Furlong in Terminator 2? Yes. Kimberly Williams Paisley in Father of the Bride. Yes. Anna Klumsky in My Girl. She's good. Scotty Appleton's better. Is Scotty Appleton better, though, than Campbell Scott in Dying Young? <laughs> Fuck Dying Young. <laughs> uh, yeah. So is. you're giving it to Ice-T? I'm giving it to Ice-T for sure. Okay. I might give it to Klumsky. She's great. I really like her in My Girl. Yeah, she's um, really good in that. Okay, best villain. Okay. Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Robert Patrick for T2. I mean, that's tough. Robert De Niro for Cape Fear. Oof. Alan Rickman for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Eh, okay. And the winner was Rebecca De Mornay for The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Get fucked. That is the last one <laughs> I would put out of all of those nominees. I mean, I'd probably go Nino Brown, but that's such a solid category. That's yeah. like better than any Oscar category this year. Yeah, I would give it to Wesley Snipes yeah. for that. Um, and then Best Movie Song. I want to sex you up. No. Um, you Could Be Mine by Guns N' Roses from T2. Better. Adam's Groove by Hammer from MC. From, from MC. MC could, Hammer from the Adams Family. You Could Be Mine. Um, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton from, from Rush. Rush. But also fuck Eric Clapton. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, not in that song, though. Because. Right. I have emotions. Um, <laughs> um, and the winner was Everything I Do, I Do It For You by... Oh, I'm giving it to Brian Adams. Brian Adams yeah. from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And here's why. Okay. A, I love Brian Adams, yeah. Canadian. B, beautiful song. C, does that thing that I love, where not only is the song used well over the end credits, yeah. because the problem with You Could Be Mine, as much as that song is a banger... It's barely in the movie. It's like on the back of the dirt bike yeah. for a few seconds just so they could say it's in the movie. But it's right. like, I like that Schwarzenegger's in the video, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But what everything I do, I do it for, for you does well is that they incorporate it into the score of the movie, mm -hmm. which I love. Oh, that. yeah, they did do that. Yeah, they do. However, my heart will go on shit right there. Question for you, though. Yes. Are you are, are you team everything I do, I do it for you, or are you team um, uh, Don Juan DeMarco, Brian Adams song? Oh, everything I do, I do it for oh, you. I'm totally the Don Juan DeMarco Somehow song. we make it work. We do. Don Juan DeMarco is what? Have you ever loved a woman? Yeah. No. <laughs> I was in Sorry. the... Between that and, like, Take a Bow now, by Madonna, I was in you, a moment. If you throw in... 
Like a matador. All for love break. from the Three Musketeers. Oh, that's a good one too. Now we got a contest. That's enough. This movie fest right there. We just don't even. We it's just three music videos. <laughs> that's it. It's like a ten minute thing. I I talked about this on a recent podcast. I watched like the nineteen forty eight Three Musketeers, and it's really good. Gene Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, really good. I still prefer the Charlie Sheen one. I mean, it's a fantastic movie. It really is. It's got Wincott. Yeah. If Wincott could play somebody in um, New Jack City, who would he play? He would be Pookie. <laughs> I would want Wincott to be That should the be Don. calling me. I want him to be the Don, and he could be Don Top Dollar. <laughs> He's just like, Nino Brown's a little out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done a top 10 for 91, I don't think. Yeah. But if I did, I have to believe New Jack City would be on it. Yeah, I think it would be like in lower part of top ten. For yeah, me. that movie that year is just so it's crazy good, right? Because you got Terminator Two, you got Point Break. Yeah, both of those would be in my top ten. Yeah, you got Last Boy Scout was in there. Um, Wouldn't be in my top ten, but I love it. Well, Silence of the Lambs. Silence J- of the Lambs. JFK. JFK. Jesus. Yeah. By the way, I'm naming one of my kidney stones Oliver Stone. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's the big one. The larger one is Oliver Stone. Sure. Of course. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be longer and more painful to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> the one that is going to go quicker is Sharon Stone. <laughs> and the one that passed already that I'm already regretting leaving me is Emma yeah. Stone. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's like you barely knew her. Yeah. Um, when's the last time you watched Savages? Like uh, opening tri- weekend. Okay. I just yeah. didn't know if you rewatched it no, as a Travolta fan. I haven't done much of the rewatches okay. um, for Travolta. I've been trying to like get through all the ones I haven't seen, so I've got nine of those Okay. Left. Yeah. I heard it come up recently, and I was like, was Savages good? I can't remember. It has a lot of problems. Yeah. I think that he's good in it, and it's one of those movies where it's like three bland young leads, and then the supporting actors get all the fun stuff. It's Taylor Kitsch and Blake Lively. And Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor. I don't even and remember him being in it, to tell Benicio, you Benicio, I think, is in it, and Salma Travolta Hayek. and Salma Hayek. Yeah. And I remember Travolta kind of has, like, it's kind of similar to, like, the swordfish part, but it's like he figured it out. Okay. I'm looking up to see if Savages is streaming anywhere. Savages might be his last theatrical. For real? I think so. If you're not counting, like, The Fanatic, which was in theaters. Which, by the way, when I was in California and I was on Hollywood Boulevard, there was, like, a a cigarette store that had a giant poster for The Fanatic just, like, up in its window. (laughs) And I was like, ooh, this is the official shop of The Fanatic. (laughs) According to my brief research, I'm looking it up on here now, um, Savages is on Netflix. Okay. So it's not streaming. So I'm going... Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to rewatch Savages. Yeah. I'm excited about this. I remember there was some line where she said something like... Oh, no, it's the... Fuck the war out of me. No, it was even worse. Like, he... uh, I had orgasms, he had wargasms, or something like that, and it's like, oh, a person got paid to write that line, and yeah. my ears bleed. Who wrote Savages? I feel like it was a person that we know. Not personally, but like we've heard of. Uh, I'll tell you in just a second. Written by Pookie. <laughs> <laughs> P- 
Pookie wrote it, which is why so many of the lines are that shit be calling me. Um, mm-hmm. Shane Salerno, Oliver Stone, and Don Winslow. Oh, all right. Shane Salerno is credited on Armageddon, Shaft, The New Hawaii Five O, and four Avatar sequels. Yeah. <laughs> which is why Jake Sully is going to be talking about wargasms left and right. That'd be amazing. Oh my God, I cannot wait for Avatar 2. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's actually coming out this year? Yeah. You do? I do. Okay. Because I heard that they were attaching a trailer for it to, like, <gasps> Doctor, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is what I heard. Yeah, something like which that. made me excited to see Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, my whole love of Avatar got reinvigorated in two parts. One is because of your enthusiasm for yeah. it, and then another is Flight of Passage. Yeah, which is just Flight of like, Passage. That land is magical. Yes, it is. Like, I wish I was there at night because I heard it's even more impressive at I've night. I've never with been all at the, night. With yeah. all, it lit up. But, like, I was drinking, like, a drink with, like, boba in it, and I'm just like, why don't I have boba all the time? <laughs> like, I was transfixed. I wish there was more to do in that land. Yeah. The Navi River journey is not great. No. It, the animatronics are impressive. Sure. Yeah. But I wish there was, like, not even necessarily more rides, just, like, more stuff to look at, more places to walk around. I wish the gift shop was better. Yeah. I still love it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason to go to Animal Kingdom. <laughs> No, there's good stuff at Animal Kingdom. What else? Expedition Everest. Oh, no. I can't go on that. I've got kids who are afraid. Um, Kilimanjaro Safaris. I did that. That was fun. Uh, Dinosaur. Dinosaur. Yeah, I rode that like three times in a row once. Dinosaur is good. It's like the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland is basically just dinosaur, but rethemed. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Is it weird that the last dinosaur on the dinosaur ride, the very last dinosaur, mm-hmm. he's basically like the Joker? <laughs> the, the, the Gigantosaurus? Yeah. <laughs> Colin Trevorrow, just when I think I'm like, oh, you got me back, and then he says something like that, I'm just like, mm, it's an unforced error. What are you doing? That new Jurassic Park is probably going to be bad and is going to commit the unforgivable sin of like killing off a legacy character. I have a theory of what's going to happen at the end of the new Jurassic Park okay. movie. I think they're going to go full T3 and, like, the human race is kaput. Wow. Mm-hmm. Happy I, summer, everyone. And then I think it's going to be, like, you know. Does Bryce Dallas Howard survive? I, I don't. Can she? I don't think that it's necessarily, like, they're all going to die. Okay. But I think it's going to be, like, the point of no return Got where it. it's, like, we're we're, last. we're done. Got like, it. but the dinosaurs can't be stopped. Does Bryce Dallas Howard need someone to mate with is the question that I'm asking. Yeah. Okay. It, and to, But not Chris Pratt. Propagate the species. No. I'm okay. not asking for his sake. <laughs> For Owen Handy or whatever his name, Hardy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Al Borland. Uh, I, I don't know. know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, all right, are we done? Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. This was fun. Yes, it was. As always, living, go to living just oh. enough for the city. <laughs> go to fthismovie.com every day uh, for cool movie uh, shit. Uh, Email uh, us at fthismoviepodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, enough. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Rate us five stars. <laughs> we'll be back next week, probably with another installment of Craven Craven talking about Scream 2. Moody, depressed, liberals. Moody, 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 depressed. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to FS Movie.